Welcome to Fright Night Minute, a daily podcast where we discuss the original 1985 horror movie Fright Night, one minute at a time. I'm Robin. I'm Leonard. And welcome to the show, Robert Black. (laughs) (laughs) Glad to be back. (laughs) Oh, we still got it in there. (laughs) This is Minute 34 of Fright Night. It begins with a phone call and ends with a lowering shade. is looking so sad and lost. A vampire movie is probably the last thing he wants to write, watch right now because he is literally living Fright Night. He goes to switch off the TV and is interrupted with a loud ring, which I love how startling that telephone ring is. I actually have my cell phone has a regular, you know, phone ring rather than a, you know, electronic one. Charlie uh, grabs the phone to stop the ringing, I would would assume, and then he raises the phone to his ear, and you can see it dawn on him as he's raising it, who might be calling, and he doesn't even say, hello. And it cuts to blood dripping into, is that a a bedpan? (laughs) It it looked to me like a giant, like, caved-in ping-pong ball, which is a weird decorative item to have. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we hear, I know you're there, Charlie. I can see you. And the camera raises, and we see that familiar ring again. Cut to Charlie's very sweaty face, slowly turning to the window. And uh, across the way, we see Jerry, phone to his ear, looking amused, staring right at the camera, really. And uh, we suddenly zoom into the window, fast enough to make Charlie's curtains fly open. So much like the, no! <laughs> what made these curtains move? And this is, I think this is where I, I lean on the, what you were saying earlier this week, that this is, uh, this is in his mind. His attention zoomed in so close that everything's out of getting out of the way. Fangoria, June 1985. They, this is a great issue. They got access to the set during production, and Tom Holland described to them how he was going to pull this shot off in his office, you know, before they even shot the movie. He's got this scale model of the Dandridge house in front of him as he's describing it. So I just, oh, can you imagine? He says, now the usual way to do that shot is you do a subjective shot and you'd zoom in on Jerry standing in the window. And it says, Holland makes a whooshing zoom noise accompanied by a vampiric snarl. (laughs) (laughs) Quote, well, I wanted to do a shot where from Charlie's subjective point of view in his terror, it feels to him as though Jerry's entire house is moving closer to him, swooping towards him. In other words, as though Jerry wasn't 30 feet away in his house, but three feet away in his house and was going to lean right out the window. Holland mimes a gesture of fatal brutality. Do that to Charlie. 
Five million times I've seen the camera moving. Let's see the house move. There's a weirdness to it. There are two ways to accomplish what I'm talking about. One is to build the Dandridge house on rollers and literally move the entire side of the Dandridge house across the soundstage to Charlie's window. Unfortunately, that would be extremely cumbersome and expensive. The alternative, we're doing blue screen. We're shooting a plate of the Dandridge house and moving that. You'll see that image move towards you, which will seem like the house is moving. Oh, so they actually did a moving thing though. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought it was a rather expertly done like combination of like focus pulling and zooming. Yeah, me which too. Was really well done. If so, mm-hmm. but that's actually kind of cool that they just did a practical move. Yeah, the, this is a room shot of the Dandridge house will then be matted into the shot of the stationary window in Charlie's house. And yeah, first then explains why the curtains move because something was actually moving toward them. <laughs> Charlie freaks. He turns away, drops the phone, and uh, yeah, his eyes are bulging out. This is not happening. We talk about bad neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, he stares at that receiver, and I, I love it. It just kind of reminds me of like uh, you know, like Nightmare on Elm Street with the tongue coming out the the receiver. Yeah. You know, it's a scary phone well, receiver, and it's so loud you can still hear it even though it's on the floor. And yeah, what's the matter, Charlie? Scared. And then he goes, he says, uh, you started this, Charlie, and I'm going to finish it. And this is where Charlie bravely picks the receiver back up and just, like, glares back at Jerry. And I thought he was going to, like, say something like, hey, you, uh, uh, you can't hurt me. I thought uh, you were going to say, get your damn hand. <laughs> and then we see, uh, we see Billy patching up uh, Jerry. This shot shows uh, Billy's head directly in front of Jerry's crotch. And the script says he's solicitously bandaging, so. (laughs) Okay, so there's a bit of a suggestiveness here. Chris Rannon says, I didn't have any sense of it being anything other than Renfield and Dracula. I think there was sort of an asexual quality to the relationship that was sort of borderline homoerotic, but not in the sense that it was creepy. Stark remember Jonathan Stark remembers the scene. He says, I'm cleaning his hand. And uh, Tom said, get down on your knees. Oh, okay, Tom. And then when I saw it, I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> and he says he sees he sees it more as a uh, servile thing rather than any sort of hint to a relationship. But even then, with vampires, everything, every relationship is sexual. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Jerry then tells Charlie that he destroyed his car, which uh, I'm going to have to go back to the script. You, you probably saw this, Robert, but uh, during the scene where Charlie is talking to Judy, Charlie gets a look out the window and sees something that says, suddenly they both hear a dull thud as if men- metal is bending, then nothing. Judy stops, turning back to the toward the closed window as Charlie peers through the glass, seeing the shadowy form of Jerry Dandridge slipping out of their garage and crossing into the backyard of his own house. <laughs> and I just think of this as like he has lost his sh- he's so pissed off. And just to see him just like pounding across the lawn, <laughs> like, well, I screwed up his car. <laughs> in the movie, is the car in a garage? No. Because I love that in the script, that he goes into the garage to wreck his car and then goes home. <laughs> it just seems like a, I don't know, kind of a, a funny thing. to It would be a pretty humorous note to see, like, oh, he's that mad. He's that frustrated. You can see him disappear into the garage or out of out of the shot, and then a tire, you know, you hear all the banging, and the tire bounces <laughs> out. Tire rolls yes. out, yeah. Just, yeah. Com- <laughs> just comedic sounds, you know? <laughs> like a rubber ducky gets stepped on, you know, just... <laughs> 
I, I've definitely spent some time analyzing the outside of this house because, you know, some of it, the exterior is on the lot, but there's plenty of it. They, they filmed like a three-story set, I believe, and uh, where they did a lot of the close-up stuff, uh, especially around the windows and things like that. There's a, there's a driveway that's between the uh, Brewster house and what's supposed to be a school, <laughs> but is not yes, a school. church. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it looks like it goes around the house. Or maybe I don't know. It's it's kind of confusing. And back lots are weird. Yeah. So Although these aren't even there anymore. Yeah, I know. That's just uh, yeah. I've gone hunting for this back lot, and it was I was sad to see it was all taken down. What is it? What's in its place now? It, it's still a back lot, but in that particular like cul-de-sac, it's a completely different set of buildings. It's not houses anymore. So Jerry finishes up by saying, "That's nothing compared to what I'm going to do, do to you tomorrow night." And then he kind of smiles, snarls at Charlie <laughs> as he's hanging up. And the minute ends with him starting to pull down the shade <laughs> again, just staring into the camera, and again slowly. Like that, what you were talking about a couple minutes ago with like everything is this anticipation. Everything he does is slow. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to close. I don't need to close the blinds right now, but I'm going to. <laughs> Shane. Because why not? Oh, it's going to be so great when I kill the hell out of him. Oh, yeah. it's... I'll close this so you can get a little bit of sleep. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to be good sleep. <laughs> All right. I don't think I have anything else for this uh, minute. What do you, what do you guys... Yeah, so this one is actually really straightforward. Yeah, I mean, there's it's stuff happening with the conversation, but it's all—it's just a conversation. Yeah, it's a conversation. Yeah, it's threatening, scary. It's a little bit of homoeroticism. Yeah, <laughs> and giant ping pong ball. <laughs> you think he was? Uh, perhaps he was in space balls at one time, and he just had one of those helmets. <laughs> <laughs> like hit his head really hard. All right. Well, Robert, uh, what do you what do you got for us today? It's Thursday. Today, it is Thursday, my fourth one. I will say um, Annihilation Minute. It's a very slow burn. I'm only doing it one episode a week, but they are very dense minutes with a lot of research and weird science tangents. Uh, The episode that went up this week that we're recording had a whole section on Sir John Sulston and his research like gene sequencing a nematode, which has nothing to do with the movie. He just gets mentioned briefly by name. And so I went into a whole tangent on him for a couple of minutes and because he was awesome. So it's like a slow burn on Annihilation science fiction film from just last year. That's so cool. All right. Well, uh, I think it's time to put a stake in this one. Please follow us on Twitter at Fright Night Men. Send your feedback to Fright Night Minute at gmail.com. And please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, I'm Robin. I'm Len. And I'm Robert. Thanks for listening. Have a fright night, everyone. He's a vampire. A what? (laughs) You're so cool, Brewster.